Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, hey, everybody. Before we jump in today, just got a couple things to tell you. I, Jenny Owen Youngs, will uh, be playing some shows this week in the Northeast. I'll be in Northampton, in Boston, Massachusetts, and in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, unfortunately, my Brooklyn show had to be canceled due to a fire at Union Hall. Don't worry. No one is hurt, and they are rebuilding, but not in time for the show. So if you want to find out anything about those shows or come uh, hang out and get rocked, uh, you can go to JennyOwenYoungs.com and click on the tour page. Yeah, you can. I don't have any. I'm not playing any music anywhere that I know of. If anything comes up, I'll let you know. Uh, but before <laughs> before we go into the episode, we also just wanted to say a special thank you to all of our patrons who are supporting our work on Patreon. We've had our Patreon page for how long now? Uh, uh, since January. Since I January, think? so a few months. And so many of you have supported us over there in that space at the dollar or the five dollar or the ten dollar level. There's obviously super fun stuff that you get at those levels uh in addition to just supporting this um you get mp3s in advance of the weekly songs uh something that we keep forgetting to mention and and that so many of you have used in the last few weeks is that you get merch discounts um in the store which has been very relevant to many of your interests Mm -hmm. as of late um and it's just it's a really fun little space where we chat we do q a's we do buffy watches um and all that stuff so if you haven't yet checked out our patreon page you can go on over to patreon.com slash buffering cast to see what it's all about um and we so so appreciate the sport support it is what is keeping us going and uh keeping this podcast alive and well yeah thank you so much yeah all right here we go Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season two, episode 12, Bad Eggs. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. It's interesting that we say recapping. Maybe the, not this week. So, well, I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll talk okay. about the song before we get to the song. The song's a little special this week. <laughs> <laughs> Bad Eggs was written by Marty Noxon and directed by David Greenwald. Dream Team. Yes. Yes, a true dream team. It originally aired on January 12th, 1998. This is the one where Buffy and her friends encounter even more trouble than expected when the eggs they're given in health class turn out to be prehistoric parasites that take over their lives. <laughs> <laughs> great uh i don't great. i don't read the summary the imdb summary to jenny uh until she hears it live here so that is fantastic it's good, it's good right it's a good one yeah oh man so th- we have a lot <laughs> we have a lot to talk about about this episode as always of course but we have a lot to talk about in general mm-hmm. um since we last spoke something has happened mm-hmm. uh the cast of buffy the vampire slayer or most of the cast from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, reunited 
for a a special EW and people <laughs> uh, reunion photo shoot and video. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of feelings. You had a lot of feelings. So many feelings. We woke up. It was so the our last episode posted last Wednesday, and I believe that the um, photo shoot went up early Wednesday morning. And so oftentimes we'll post the podcast right before we go to sleep. And so the first thing we do when we wake up is we like check in on social media because you're all great at letting us know if like there's a mistake or whatever. So we I checked in and in, and there were like 8 million mentions in our Twitter account. And I was like, uh-oh, something <laughs> happened with the podcast. Something's wrong with it. Nope. Something's right. Something was right. So Jenny, how are you feeling about this reunion? Just like so filled up. <laughs> Just so happy. Yeah. It's pretty, it's very nostalgic. It's very, it's very special. We were missing a few key players. Yeah. A couple notable absences. Yeah. Some, some of you might not even have noticed some of the absences because you're not there yet, but um, we definitely all know that we miss Giles. Giles. Giles is not there. And um, many of us uh, also miss Drusilla. Mm -hmm. Um, And then something that you might not know to miss yet, but many of you do, wherein the F was Faith. <laughs> yeah, I said it. You sure did. Where where was Faith? I was just around. Around doing her doing Out her thing. A guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh so we we missed those few people, but it was really great to see everyone else and um I really enjoyed watching the video of them all kind of like reminiscing and talking about their memories together. It was just really mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh so thank you cast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer for yes. indulging us. With such wonder. Um, what a delight. What a great gift to the fandom for the 20th anniversary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and and so, you know, normally when Kate uh, joins us for an episode, she talks about the fashion in the episode. And we checked in and Kate was like, I cannot and I will not talk <laughs> about a single thing except for this gift from the heavens above, this reunion. So we're going to kick it off with Kate giving us a very special edition of Fashion Watch that is themed around the reunion. Hell yeah. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update. Welcome to a very special edition of Buffy Fashion Watch, where instead of talking about the episode, we're going to talk about the Buffy 20th anniversary reunion photo shoot and special that Entertainment Weekly and People put together. Now, there are a lot of actors involved in this photo shoot and I can't talk about everyone or we'd be here all day but you should definitely go look at it and you should definitely watch the special even though for some reason Giles and Faith aren't involved I uh I don't know it's whatever that's their choice but there are some very very good looks Michelle Trachtenberg is goth now um (laughs) I don't know if it's how she was styled for the photo shoot but she has this amazing long black hair and a total Morticia Adams vibe it's very good Joyce is there, Christine Sutherland looking. See, I wasn't crazy about her dress at first because it reminds me of Wednesday Adams, which it's a little younger than I would have gone for her look. But it's so amazing just to see her and to see her with Buffy that my heart was absolutely filled with joy. Sarah Michelle Gellar, of course, looks perfect. She has two different dresses. (laughs) She's the only one, of course, she's the main character, that are both amazing. Um, Cordelia, blow your mind. She, I mean, she hasn't aged more than a couple of years. She looks incredible. Her necklace, her dress, everything is good. Emma Caulfield wears some of the coolest shoes I've ever seen. And Amber Benson, 
is completely killing it. I want every single thing that she's wearing. I just want to wake up tomorrow in that outfit and never have to change. I just, it will just magically clean itself and I'll be perfect and everything will be perfect. Also, shout out to Alexis Denisov who never gets to say anything for looking the best of all of the dudes there. I mean, I assume he's there because he's married to Alison Hannigan, but he's got this incredible black on black on black suit. And I normally couldn't really give a care about what men wear in photo shoots, but he looks good and no one else is talking to him. So what's up, Alexis? Until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Fantastic. Wow. All hail Kate. All hail Kate. And speaking of seeing Kate at the mall. Oh my gosh. I think we're going to see a couple of other people at the mall. Namely Joyce and Buffy. <laughs> Joyce and Buffy. This this brought back, I, is the mall as rooted in our cultural consciousness as it was in the 90s? Because I don't think it is. No, I think, um, I think because, at least growing up in New Jersey, where like everything is was mall centric. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, it is New Jersey. New Jersey will be mall centric until there is no New Jersey. But right, but I think there's like the mall serves less of a social purpose, right. Maybe than it once did, um, because of the internet. Because like, of the internet, because we're like more connected. Teens, well, teens actually, are more connected to each other. Yeah, I guess you know a big thing might be that now so many people can shop using the internet. Shop using the internet. Have conversations about uh, people they have crushes on using the yeah. internet. <laughs> you don't have to meet at the mall to talk about your crushes. Exactly. <laughs> order your order a pizza using your phone instead of going to the um, food court. Yeah, or your local pizza robot, as mm. discussed last week. Yes, our pizza robot. <laughs> but yeah, I just like it brought it gave me like a visceral. Um, like I had a sensation in my body with the scene with them in the mall because it was. Just spot on. I mean, I think yeah. they, they are in a mall. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for that's sure. A mall, this right. is not a no soundstage could be that believable. No. Um, we see a Skechers. We see <laughs> we see what we know to be a Claire's boutique. Yeah. There's uh, a, there's a Gap. Mm-hmm. It's all happening, it's and then all- they're in the food court. Eating eating broccoli some- and fries. I couldn't tell what broccoli. it was. I thought it was like a. Some Panda Express vibes. Oh, oh, like that would make that would add up with kind. the broccoli for sure. Right, so maybe it was right, rice, right. rice and broccoli. Uh, Panda Express. I'll tell you who I loved was a Panda Express. <laughs> I did, and I I feel like maybe I've even talked about this on this podcast before. But I would to save money, I oh, would Lord. get I would go to the food court to the Panda Express, and I would get white rice, just white rice and soy sauce. And I would take my soy sauce and my white rice back to Aussie Outfitters t-shirt store where I worked. And I would sit on the floor behind the cash register and I would eat my white rice and soy sauce because it's very filling. And it costs like a dollar, you know. Salty rice. Salty dollar rice. I lived on salt. If it wasn't that, it was ramen, you know. Wow. Teenagers love some salt. I just ate pizza. Well, of like course. There was I also a Sabaros. Well, did you have a Sabaros mm, or was it a different pizza I, place? Probably. I think we had a few pizza places. Yeah, I think there was only one. Oh, well, we had like a Pizzeria Uno where you'd sit down, but I think the only like sliced pizza in the mall was a Sabaros. This, mm. You guys having a good time? You fascinated? Yeah, having a blast. How, how's everybody doing yeah. <laughs> during our walk <laughs> to Sabaros? <laughs> We're literally, you don't even need to go to the informational map. You can just listen to this podcast. Yeah. Follow the sound of our voices to the food court. <laughs> You are here. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that was very like welcome to Night Vale of yeah. you. <laughs> um, so Joyce and Buffy are at the mall. And we immediately hear that the outfit Buffy oh. just tried on and was not allowed to buy made her look, in Joyce's words, like, like a, a streetwalker. Streetwalker. Not very progressive no, Joyce. Not very progressive Joyce, although it was harder to be a progressive mom in the 90s. But Yeah, and when, <laughs> when you're Joyce and you're shopping at Everyday Woman, Dark. that does sort of reveal... <laughs> she's just trying to get through week to week, running an art gallery, she is. raising she's a got, daughter. She's, got a lot she's to not do. tapped into... But not to not to whatever. I mean, obviously we know that what Joyce is implying by saying a streetwalker, which is a pretty offensive Joyce, um is that it, you know, Buffy wanted to get something that was very revealing. I would like to take us back through time to like, I don't know, how about the episode with the with the ventriloquist dummy where Buffy couldn't sit down because her dress <laughs> was too short. I just am wondering Where's the line, Joyce? Where yeah, where the, where is or, the line? Or is Buffy pulling a Kristen Russo mm, and changing before. when she gets to school? Right, right. But that would be hard for her because she doesn't take the bus. Mm. Like my changing, my like rigmarole was on the bus. You would change your clothes on well, the bus? Well, my changing was from uh, jeans to shorts and my shorts were underneath my jeans. So oh, all I had it. to do was take my pants off and I was good. Anyway, so, it, you know, the other important thing that happens at the mall, apart from learning about everyday woman, mm. is that we see Buffy see a vampire, or rather, lack thereof, yeah. which was a confusing. Uh, I was confused with the camera angle there because yeah, I could have been shot. A I was more. my first thought when I watched this for the first time was that there were two escalators and that there was a girl. The same girl was on both escalators, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I was uh-huh. like, "Ooh, what's going to be the twist here?" Right, right. There's a doppelganger. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so she notices no reflection. She goes after them into the darkened arcade. She is pretty much hot on their heels, but somehow by the time she catches up to them in the arcade the girl is saying this is my high score like stop trying to make out with me until I've finished my turn getting my high score in 30 seconds good call Jenny I didn't even notice Boo. that yeah. or she's just it might be her only score and also that thus by default her high score do you want to know what I did notice what? which was not that is how much room everyone was taking on the escalator oh yeah that's rude that's rude it was rude in the 90s it's rude now if you're gonna walk you stand on the right side if you're gonna not walk you stand on the left no yeah. the other way around you walk on the left you stand on the right yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't take up and the cowboy vamp and Buffy both are taking Esca up Esca spreading <laughs> yeah which I appreciate that Buffy is also es- Esca spreading uh-huh, here uh-huh. Um, but But leave some room for the walkers. Please. Come on. Um, So this cowboy vamp, not to jump right into the patriarchy here, but like, come on. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sugar lips. Sugar lips. Giddy up, he says. And then my least favorite moment of the cowboy patriarchy in this opening scene is, uh, you're a rough one, ain't you? I like that. Gross. I'm going to throw up. I hate you, and I hate what created you, which we all know is what, Jenny? Oh, uh, the patriarchy. The patriarchy. Um, although I will give a shout out to this cowboy vamp for his special his little, little rodeo move. somersault rodeo move, like yeah. where his hat falls out, like flies up, he catches it, and he puts it back on. Yes. I'm into that. That, I'm, that I'm did look that. great. Um, and the, the one moment that I want to uh, talk about before we leave the mall is this moment between Joyce and Buffy when Buffy has now forgotten the dress because she was mm. killing a vamp, but she can't tell her mom what she was doing because she is not out to her mother yet as a vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the first, like, really coming out heavy 
metaphors that's placed on a scene mm-hmm. uh, as relates to her being the slayer and keeping it a secret where Joy says something like, what are you interested in? And that's not like shopping in boys. And Buffy sort of jokingly says, <laughs> oh, saving the world from vampires. And Joyce is like, I don't even know what goes on in your head. And like, uh-huh. of, of course, doesn't get it. And I feel like this is really... Like it just it made me think of uh, like me coming out and other people coming out and how we like slip jokes in or we slip things in or we say something just to like test the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I appreciated this as a first step in what we will see, I think, unfold into a larger kind of coming out metaphor between right. the two of them with mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then right, and then we're speaking of coming out, then we're in a closet, and then we're in a closet. I didn't even realize from out of the closet to into the closet. Uh, Xander and Cordelia are deeply engaged in some serious hate making out. Yeah. Hate necking. Hate necking. Yeah. Oh, that's good. They uh, uh, hate each other. They hate each other so much. But they, they can't stop necking. They can't stop. They cannot keep their mouths off of each other. Mm-hmm. I love, like, whoever is in charge of the music cues. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> very Melrose Place, like mm-hmm. very. Um, and something fun in this scene is that it it starts off with Xander being an asshole and saying like, "Could you just stop talking? Like, I don't want to hear you talk. I just want to make out with you," which mm-hmm. is a you know classic uh, patriarchal trope. Uh-huh. But then Cordelia, without missing a beat, is like, "Yeah, could we turn the light off? Because I don't want to look at your face." And Cordelia, <laughs> what I what I really like is that. Uh, Cordelia is completely nonplussed by, like, she is not affected at all by Xander saying, stop talking. She's like, whatever. And then as soon as Cordelia says, I want to turn the lights off, Xander, <laughs> then they have to have a conversation. They have about to have it. a conversation. Oh, Xander's feelings got hurt. Xander's feelings got oh. hurt. Oh, poor Xander. Must be hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be a man in a closet. Well, I guess <laughs> it's well. hard to be a man in a closet. I didn't. Okay. Moving so, on. So <laughs> they fight, 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 fight. And then they're like, screw this. You're disgusting. You're mm. disgusting. I'm out of here. And then they reach for the doorknob and their hands touch and, and the then music kicks back wham. in. <laughs> it's uh, good. It's fun. Cut right to a lot of really great. Um, I, I We don't talk a lot about the editors as we talk about this show, mm. but really great editing and writing, you know, writing the transitions here Hell yeah. where we cut in and out of scenes. Um, and this one, of course, goes right from that closet makeout scene to sex ed. Sex ed. And Jenny, the first time, I keep saying the first time we watched it because we actually watched this episode not once, not twice, but thrice, thrice, thrice three times, three times a lady. <laughs> uh, we watched Bad Eggs uh, because we, whatever. You don't need to know why we watched it three times. We watched it three times. So the first time we watched this, you were like, did you ever get sex ed that, that was this comprehensive? And frank and yeah. like direct? No, I did not. I did not. And I don't think many people do. I mean, we didn't get like... Like, we're imba- like kids are embarrassed. The teachers are embarrassed. There's just a lot of like... Uh. Yeah, nobody wants to talk about it. And this teacher... This teacher's crushing it. Mr. Whitmore... Shout out. You rule. You rule until you try to kill everyone. Well, that's not really him. That's That's the bazaar. The bazaar. Okay, that's true. Um, Um, Also, I don't believe, once mm -hmm. we get into uh, Cordelia and Xander using this class as an excuse to insult each other, I don't believe for one second that Cordelia doesn't floss. (laughs) That was just a shot. Xander was reaching for anything and lying. Yeah, because Xander's feelings got hurt. Xander... (laughs) 
Our Xander ringtone is just going to be your poor Xander <laughs> noise Aww. on loop. Aww. Um, so, so right. So there's this back and forth. Something that I love in this scene also is Willow. Uh, Willow, <laughs> Willow overall. Willow, there's like a shot of Willow looking super uncomfortable about the sex talk. And then once it switches from sex talk to baby talk, uh, Willow is like all about it. She's... So no one has ever been more excited to raise a baby egg than Willow Rosenberg, oh right? Like no one. She's just so delighted, um, which is fun, which is like a fun little character trait <laughs> for Willow that we haven't seen. And this is the first time also, uh, speaking of character uh, things that we learn about Willow, this is the first time that we learn definitively that Willow is Jewish. Oh, right. She's going she's gonna to raise her egg to be a, a little Jewish egg. And teach it. That dreidel song. That, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Which uh, is troublesome, but also, like, I feel very confident in saying that that's exactly what Xander and probably myself in 1997 would have known about right. the Jewish faith was the dreidel song. I think it's, I just want to mention uh, in doing research for this episode that we do, we did know that Willow's last name was Rosenberg. Mm -hmm. So it was like a hint that possibly she could be Jewish. But, Wow. In looking it up, I found out that Rosenberg means Castle of Roses and isn't necessarily uh, specifically a Jewish surname. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, German and sometimes Jewish. Thank mm -hmm. you for listening. Hey, doing your research, you know? Got to look it up. Got to find out. So, the, the listen, the tiny little moment I just want to call out here mm -hmm. before we leave the classroom. Xander picks up his egg after, of course, Willow wants to partner with Xander. This is getting a little old for me. I believe at this point, I just, I just feel like Willow would not be investing in Xander in the way that she does. But I guess maybe it's rooted in the friendship. They're they're BFFs. Yeah. Like, why would you, if you two and not Buffy are in the class, why wouldn't you expect yeah, that you're going to... I guess that's true. And Z she doesn't know that Xander is making out with Cordelia, so is, like, yes. a little lost here. But anyway, yeah. Xander gets up, grabs an egg... And says like, or no, doesn't grab an egg. This girl has grabbed an egg. Meh. And what are you upset about? You're... I just hate his line. Oh, his line is like, is that Xander Jr.? Well, assuming, of course, that the the child will take on his name, regardless of the gender of the child. But that's not what I was going to say, Jenny. You're pushing me down. You're sorry. forcing me down a patriarchal path. Sorry, sorry, I didn't want to go there. Uh, what I wanted to just say is that girl's response to Xander is one of my <laughs> favorite things I've ever seen. She like titters in this way that is so forced and weird. Yeah. Um, so shout out to that actress, whoever yeah. you are. Um, great weird giggle. Great weird giggle. So they bring Buffy her egg because Buffy was not in class because of course big theme in this episode is that Buffy has a lot of shit to do. Yeah. She can't she Busy can't. Lady she's, Plaza. She's, <laughs> and she's got this great line when they when they hand her the egg after uh, you know, talking about how she was absent from class and she says, as punishments go, I guess this is fairly abstract. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty nice. Not knowing what the egg context is yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she she mentions that she has had trouble keeping her gigapet alive. Gigapet! Which made me so happy. So Did I, you have a gigapet? I didn't have a gigapet, but I learned a lot because I immediately, when she said gigapet, looked up gigapets. And gigapets were the United States um, sort of like competition space for Tamagotchis. Ah. My sister had like 4,000 Tamagotchis um, growing up. I never did but you want to know what I did have was a Furby. Oh my God. And the reason that's connected is because the dude who started Gigapet also did for like it was the same brain, same ah. company, same whatever that mm -hmm. released Gigapets, of course. I mean, Elon kind of, Musk. 
Yeah, it was Elon Musk under a different name. Uh, Early AI from Elon <laughs> Musk. Um, but yeah, if you if you are not a child of the 90s, you might not know what a Gigapet or a Tamagotchi is. You probably know what a Furby is, but uh, Tamagotchis and Gigapets <laughs> were sort of, I mean, you know, essentially the same idea as this class is going through with the egg, except for it was electronic, right. um, that you had to feed and care for this pet, this electronic pet, and keep it alive. And they were all the rage. They were super fun. I think, you know, people, like, when you're younger, you like to have things where, I, like, I my favorite video game growing up was Zelda, and it was because mm. Zelda was the only video game that I had at the time that would continue, like, where you could sit, it would save where you last were, and you uh-huh. could continue with it, and I feel like that was a newer concept, mm. right? Like, even television, you couldn't, like, pause television and then continue it later. Right. It was all sort of very immediate, and so I feel like the reason that Tamagotchis and Gigapets um, and Furbies were so exciting to us is because it was, like, an ongoing situation. Right, right. Um, that, like, if you didn't feed your pet, it could die. Mm. And Buffy killed hers. And you know who else killed hers? Allison Russo, my sister. <laughs> Definitely killed her Tamagotchis. Um, anyhow, that was my little Kristen's, uh, Kristen's Gigapet Corner is now uh, finished. That was great. Looking forward to the next segment. <laughs> um, what exactly does it mean when Buffy's going over her nightly checklist for this egg? Feeding, burping, diapers. She's just carrying an egg around in a basket. Yeah, I think that she just has to go through her check. Like, I think their assignment is to, like, go through their checklist so they're at least, like, cerebrally aware of the process. I think this exercise could really be improved upon. Would you call it an exercise, Jenny? I gotta go. Yeah, me too. Joyce, (laughs) I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but Joyce makes a really great mom joke. Speaking of me making a mom or dad joke. Uh, when <laughs> Buffy's really tired, uh, <laughs> and she says, "Did the egg keep you up all night?" <laughs> Shout out to Joyce. Yeah, that's holding some, down those mom jokes. Some solid parent joke. Yep, got a material. Love it. Why is Buffy so tired? Why, of course, it's because in no. the middle of the night. No. Knock, knock, no. knock. Rap a tap, tap, tap. No. Oh, is this egg actually? No. Uh, does it contain a baby Velociraptor no. in Jurassic Park? No. No, it contains a long no. finger that turns into no. a long hand. Jenny, no. I didn't write it, Kristen. Uh, it's not my fault. You guys, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, and I I might correct myself as I go through this rewatch with all of you because maybe I've forgotten something, but I think this might be like the most upsetting thing that exists in the series for me (laughs) it's so i cannot i cannot it's it's bad it's this scene the first scene is bad the scene we will talk about be only because we have to because i don't ever want to relive it yeah where it actually comes out of the egg Oh, God, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Anyway, in this scene, that little egg cracks open and a little slimy hand comes out and it goes on Buffy's face and it goes in her ear. In her ear. Oh, I hate it. Oh, God. It makes me like I'm sweating right now talking about it. Did you, um, you know, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about my bug thing when we get to the actual hatching, actually. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile. Meanwhile. The oh Gorch brothers. Yeah. Uh, ha- are watching Buffy and Angel make out. <laughs> and this is where Hector the in- is maybe in love with Angel. Yeah. A little it, bit. It was like, got a little broke back. 
I've got a little Brokeback Mountain feelings from this scene with a cowboy mm-hmm. crushing on, on Angelus. Uh, of course, they don't know. And they never find out, really, that Angelus is not Angelus, that Angelus is Angel. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the Tector, Tector brother is um, very, very wrapped up in Angel and what he's doing and uh-huh. says, making me blush. And then mm-hmm. says like getting all cuddly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I just got a little. I got a little sexual tension. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to give them the sexual tension award, Jenny, because okay. I we can. You want to discuss that right now? Yeah, let's talk about it. Because I thought that I would give it to. Because I mean, giving it to a cowboy, a, a vampire cowboy, an angel. That's pretty hot. Sorry. Yeah. I'm into it. That's great. Um, but then there's a scene in the library much later between Joyce <laughs> and Giles. Commiserating. Finally, another grown-up on this right? show I can talk to about oh, my grown-up thoughts got, and feelings. Gotta get that. Get, and I feel like maybe it, maybe it goes to the grown-up on grown-up sex. Uh, <laughs> like, maybe. Do you have an opinion? I haven't decided. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough call, but... I think Joyce and Giles can uh, can take can that take trophy it. home. Sorry, sorry, Tector. Sorry, Tector, that you didn't Ugh. get your trophy. And he'll never have another chance. Oh, sorry, buddy. Sorry, Tector. Yeah, we lose him to the sludge at the end there. But, um, but congratulations to Joyce and Giles. Um, <laughs> good job. Your uh, your adulting sex is your adult. Uh, you get the adulting sexual tension award. Yes. Uh, congratulations. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, speaking of adulting, that is a thing that Buffy is not doing in her bedroom and specifically in her bed, which is covered from like, oh my God, stem to stern with stuffed animals. I was trying to think of stem to stern and I didn't want to take the time to ask you to help me remember what it was and you just did it anyway. Marriage. Marriage. Um, Yeah, there's more stuffed animals on that bed than I've ever seen on another bed, except for maybe in the movie E.T., uh, there was mm. a lot of stuffed animals. I feel like that's how many stuffed animals I had on my bed. Really? But not when I was in high school. Yeah. I Yeah. I don't. I mean, I think I had, stu- I certainly had stuffed animals still in high school. Like my, my room was not uh, wiped clean of stuffed animals, but I didn't have that many. Like a, a lot of stuffed animals. And I'm not them. judging. I'm, I'm not judging Buffy. I just think it's an interesting yeah. character point, you know, and, and it probably serves on like a larger scale to really remind us of the constant duality of Buffy. I mean, right. I, I think that's a big adult responsibility. Yeah. Meanwhile, like letting us know that or reminding us that she is not an adult, that she mm-hmm. is still a young person. And sort of I think that that's that's probably why they're there. But but she's old enough to talk about whether or not she can envision herself having children and when yes oh there's a lot of making out in this episode so much one one would think that angel and buffy would have been up for sexual tension they weren't even considered by the board that's not how that award works no 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 but they do a great job i'm i'm gonna give them thumbs up for their making out um in this entire episode i'm into it you know sometimes people make out on television i don't like it yeah, yeah. Well executed making Very out. Very well executed. And we know a fun fact. I think we've actually mentioned it on the podcast before um, that Angel, that Angel, <laughs> that David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Geller would very often and, and very notably, like people know this about them, would eat uh, onions and garlic and all sorts of things to like pull pranks on each other when they had to do these extended makeout scenes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is pretty mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah. Great. I love that nice idea because I always like you know the idea of being an actor and having to like make out with somebody is I don't know it just makes me feel like maybe you'd be nervous yeah maybe it'd be a thing I don't know but once somebody starts pranking you takes all the yeah right takes the edge right off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um so yeah making out making out oh did I miss um I want to make sure that I give a shout out to not only my satisfaction with the makeout scenes but my especial and especially wonderful part of their making out. Is when uh, Angel pushes Buffy up against the headstone, or uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was is. your favorite thing. You mentioned it every I know, all on every three, viewing, all three viewings. I just like it. It's like if you're gonna make out in a if you're gonna make out with me in a graveyard or a cemetery, and you don't use like tombstone, right, right. or your God given props, you have it's come on, mm-hmm. it, come on. Mm-hmm. So thank no, it's you. only right. Yeah, so Great thank job, you, Angel. Angel, for making sure that everybody got what they needed here. How about when Cordelia comes into the library <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, trying to lure Xander to go look for Mr. Whitmore in some closets, <laughs> and uh, Xander's like, what's going on? Is it... Barrett Appreciation Day. Yeah. What? It's a really great exchange for yeah, both of them. Really good. They're um they're digs and and there's something to be said. I haven't really thought this through yet, but like there's something to be said about the way that Cordelia handles Xander that to me I think makes Xander more palatable. 
Yes. Because he is doing these Xandery things that make us feel all sorts of feelings. Like, why do you have to do that to Cordelia? But Cordelia just like always has a one up, always has uh, a retort, always kind right. of throws it back. It. They they're like equally matched, you know, in that in that sense, in that like back and forth sense, um, which is refreshing and wonderful. And I love her closet monologue. More than most things I do. I also really love how she comes in and she's so she's like says that the teacher is missing and like nobody really cares. And so she just decides <laughs> to up it to presumed dead. And presumed dead. By who? Yeah. Me. <laughs> Great. And, and that Giles knows Cordelia enough at this point to also say that, right? To say like, by who, Cordelia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can we give can we give Gart Cordelia her jingle? She does a great job. I just love her. I I love her and I love this little mo- she has a couple of soliloquies. Oh my god. Um, the bear backpack. The bear one? backpack soliloquy, so the closet soliloquy. All in all, she earned a jingle. A plus episode. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Cordelia. I love you, Cordelia. You're perfect, Cordelia. Okay, wow. Cordelia. So right when I got to the, oh my God, we have to give Cordelia her jingle because we were so excited about these soliloquies and she has some really great moments and everybody knows how we feel about Cordelia. I remembered another note that I had taken. I think you also had taken this note that Cordelia does something that's super fucked up in this episode. Uh... The worst. Good good feedback, Jenny. Thank you. <laughs> but she, you know, right after the bear soliloquy, right after she has mm-hmm. this great moment, she turns away from Buffy and sees a friend of hers, or we don't even know if it's a friend of hers, mm-hmm. uh, but we assume it's a friend of hers, uh, on campus, on uh, Sunnydale High School campus, who is a black student, a girl, mm-hmm. um, and she says to her, nothing else. She just says, is that your real hair? Ah, Cordelia. No. What are you doing? And and like you know this was upsetting obviously. I mean this this like a trope is the wrong word, but this like experience between a like white person and a black person that is centered around the black person's hair and mm-hmm. whether it is real or not and how it feels and how you do it and how blah 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 and blah. And the blah. entitlement of the white person to feel very comfortable to ask and feel like they deserve an answer, an answer to, to whatever they may ask. Yes, to this information is you know something that we know, uh, you know Jenny and I know because you know we've we've taken it as our responsibility to like, you know, learn things and explore uh, race and race relations and things like this. And obviously, you know, Cordelia is a character that has not done this work. Um, and 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 that's kind of. It brings me to like the other piece of this, which is this is a script that has been written by people, and Cordelia could have said anything to, to anyone to anyone at this moment. And so, you know, it feels very pointed and very uh, like put there for a purpose. Certainly, I don't I do, I do not believe that this was put here in a completely tone deaf manner by the writers. Maybe it was be put there to highlight Cordelia's tone deafness? Yeah, I think so. But, but what's the context? And like that's the thing of... is that like if you're gonna like I feel like there's a way to contextualize Cordelia's character in a way that is not also incredibly racist because then there's no unpacking of that, of course. I mean, they're not gonna unpack this moment. Right. So so 
even though it might have been done intentionally, it's still very upsetting because if you're going to put a moment like that there to underline a character trait, you, I think, also have the responsibility to unpack that more because probably right. millions of people have watched this episode um, and so many of them did not have the kind of like education or awareness that you and I have or that some people have around race and didn't even recognize this as a troublesome thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm upset about it. I'm upset. Um, Cordelia, you got your jingle because I got excited. I uh, forgot. Um, but this is upsetting. And, and this is something that at least we unpacked a little bit here. But I think, you know, in terms of writers rooms, if you're going to put something like this in as, as a character trait, it cannot just be the standalone moment that has no discussion yeah. around it. That is not, that's not acceptable. You know what else isn't acceptable? Tell me what. That egg! <laughs> Buffy comes home. No, no. No. I'm so sorry. Go ahead, fine. It has to be this way, Kristen. Oh, God, I'm Buffy so Buffy comes upset. home from patrolling slash making out, and her egg is all tick, tick, no. tick, 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 tick. Oh, I hate it so much. Yeah. And I'm then, like clawing. You then, can't see me, but I like am pulling the skin on my yeah, face. Yeah, Kristen is bummed. Instead of poking out its long finger again, uh, this time the new approach is that it pops its top half <gasps> off and then sproings out. No, sproings! <laughs> sproings out directly in Buffy's face. Why, God, why? This is truly... The worst. Can you just pause for a second and take a picture of me right now so that we can show them what I look like while you were talking? Yes. Okay. So we will we'll put that picture up on our Patreon page for everyone, uh, supporters or non-supporters alike. You can go on over to patreon.com slash buffringcast and see what I visually look like. Kristen in a state of horror. A state of horror iPhone um, photograph. Can I? Can I? I have stuff to say about this scene, but like, can I take a moment? Speaking of things that are going to go up on Patreon, to say something that may, will make me feel better to help me get through the egg scene. Yes. Okay, you guys. Yesterday, I went <laughs> to the Glad Media Awards. Uh, if you don't know about Glad, they're awesome. Their entire mission is to work with the um, sort of like media at large, the television industry, movie industry, etc., and ensure that the portrayal of characters is representative of LGBTQIA people um, and not only that it's representative but that when it is uh, when they when there are queer characters and trans characters that it is that those characters are um, handled responsibly and so on and so forth they're wonderful mm -hmm. I also learned that they do um, that they like work on shape helping to shape news stories like um, you know if, if there's a for example um, there's a university in Texas where the student body president was just elected and he is an out gay man and Rick Perry uh, is an alum of that mm -hmm. university and Rick Perry like lost his shit and was like oh yeah <laughs> oh poor Rick Perry <laughs> Um, and so Glad stepped in as like Rick Perry was losing his shit and the whole mm -hmm. thing to help this guy, Bobby Brooks is the guy's name and the, the college is, um, Texas A&M. Um, so the, basically Glad stepped in to help him, um, shape this story as well and got him like an exclusive with the New York Times and they just do really mm -hmm. incredible work anyway. My point was not to talk about Glad's work, although I'm happy to. My point was to tell you that yesterday I was at the Glad Awards and someone else was at the Glad Awards. Who was it? Luke Perry. Oh, my God. Luke Perry. Who? Luke 
Perry. Wow. Was that a lot of people were at the Glot Awards, you guys, like Judith Light and Mary J. Blige and the cast of Moonlight. And like, I mean, there were a lot of people, but like fucking But Luke, also Luke Perry. But also Luke fucking Perry. Um, who, if you're a child of the 90s, you know, there's there's very few celebrities that like make me have a lot of feelings. There really, like, there really are, are not many. Luke Perry. Every feeling in my whole body, all the feelings. And he came down the red carpet and I said to him, um, hello, uh, <laughs> I have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast and I would love to take a selfie with you. I said other things to him. We like talked about hope and like we had a whole conversation. Mm. But I, the relevant part of the story to you all is that I told him about this podcast and I asked him to take a selfie and he this gentle, loving, wonderful, nice man. He was just so nice. He said, um, uh, we can't take a selfie. We have to take a prom photo. And <laughs> he put his arms around my body. So gently. So gently. And he held what should have been my hands, but was wound up being my arms because I couldn't move my body. I was so overwhelmed. So my hands, you, I cropped the photo so you can't see how awkward I am. But if it, if it were uncropped, you would see that my hands are like four feet below his hands, just like straight down. And I'm like so terrified. Um, but he, he held me in his sweet, gentle arms. Oh, my um, God. And we took a prom photo, and only later did I realize that not only had I just taken a prom photo with Luke Perry, but that I had done it at the Beverly Hilton in Beverly Hills, the zip code the zip? Yeah. of which you might know to be 90210. I actually don't know if the zip of the hotel is 90210. I should look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, it was wonderful. And so that picture as well, uh, we will put up on Patreon so that it's in a centralized location. I can't. It's it made my entire life. I'm I am. If you don't know, by the way, but uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie starred Luke Perry, which was the overlap there. And um, also, nine hundred two one zero used Torrance High School, yes. which is where uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer High School. Oh stuff is shot. God, I couldn't like I couldn't think about anything else for so long. Like immediately after that, I ran into Rhea Rhea Butcher, who you know from the mm -hmm. podcast and also from Fame, mm -hmm. and Rhea and Cameron, her wife, was hosting the entire award show, and Rhea was like, "Hey," and I was like, "Listen, I can't talk about anything else right now. I need to show you what just happened to me." Like, I just, like, I can't. I still am not over it. You guys, Luke Perry held me in his arms. Okay. Now we can go back to the freaking bug. Uh, the bug is gross. The bug is so gross. The bug. No amount of Luke Perry can make the bug ungross. No, no. And and that's saying a lot. Um, But, but don't the, worry. Buffy has great reflexes. And after I, it jumps on her multiple no, times. you can't. And skitters around the floor Stop multiple times. things like sprawling and Her. <laughs> <laughs> she manages to deftly impale it upon her sewing scissors. Her sewing scissors? I just, just decided, made up that they were I sewing just decided they're like fabric scissors oh. from when she was crafting earlier. There's like, listen, the, the idea of a bug, like a giant lobster clawy bug <laughs> jumping on, like I'm getting tingles in my, in my head. Jumping on my body when I can't see it and I don't know that it's going to jump on my body. And it's sort of the size and same number of appendages uh, as like a terrible hand. And it just attaches to her back. And the only thing that could maybe be worse than that moment, I feel like I feel ill. I'm not. I, I can't. I'm upset. Is when... She has to kill it because it's so big and it, it's a crunching situation and uh, I can't, I can't. You guys, I had an experience. It leaves a blue stain on 
the wall. Blue goo. I, right. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I had an experience as a twenty something when I lived in New York City, where I don't know if you know about a water bug, but water bugs, huge flying roaches. Oh God, they eat cockroaches and they fly. And um, if that's not enough. They this particular water bug. I was a, I was about to fall asleep. My glasses were not on my face, meaning my vision was blurred. Ugh. Yeah. So picture dim lighting and blurry vision. I won't. Kristen alone, just trying to fucking sleep, <laughs> and I felt what seemed to be a bird fly <laughs> past the side of my head, and I freaked the fuck out. And I stood up and I turned the light on. And over, so I had this, like, these postcards of the eyes of, like, famous paintings, which, that's my fault. I was setting, <laughs> I was setting myself up for a horror scene here. Mm-hmm. Over one of the eyes on my wall was the biggest water bug in the history of water bugs. I immediately left my room. I closed the door. I immediately left that room, went into the bathroom and closed the door. <laughs> Freaked out, called my friend who stayed on the phone with me for the rest of the night. I will let you know. I never went back into the bedroom until the morning. And I only went back in to grab a a couple of pairs of underwear um, out of a drawer, which was very hard to do, to reach my hand into the drawer because I did not know where the water bug had gone. I left my home for four days and made my landlord kill it and cover every hole in the place. And I didn't sleep well for five months. So I was already afraid of bugs. This is a horrible scene. I have a bug trauma. And I just wanted everyone to know. Thank you for listening. My note, in case you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, in this moment was to, in all caps, psychotically scrawl, no, 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 the egg bug. That's all I could emotionally get out. A proportional response. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this journey. Uh, thank God she kills it. She calls Willow to warn her. Little do, does she know it's actually too late for Willow. Mm-hmm. And then the cherry on top of the disgusting cake is that she gets grounded <laughs> yeah. by Joyce, who comes I... in at 2.45 a.m. and says, why are you dressed? Yeah. And who are you on the phone Also, with? like, I'm sorry, but you can't call somebody's house at 2.45 in the morning and have them answer. Like, Willow doesn't have a, like, a, her private number, I can't imagine. I feel like she does for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean now that... I think she does, because right. otherwise this would not have been possible. One would thing right because you'd wake up the family yeah you can't just call people's houses at three in the morning on their landlines um also we skipped over the part in which we learn that vampires do not have sperm or Um, or that they can't have children or that they can't have children right it begs a question what exactly is going on what's going on there we'll never know yeah what are the mechanics of vampire penises um is what i want to know you want to know that i do I know you think that I'm not asking a question I'd like to learn the answer to, but I personally would like to know what is going on there. Yeah, I would like to know too for science. Are they just sterile and they still can like have sex and also like where does it, where does the vampiric process interface with procreation and sexual activity? I'm just asking and maybe... You know, maybe on a future episode, we can get an expert in here. That's all I'm saying. I'm just planting a seed. (laughs) I'm planting planting a seed. boy. Get it? Okay. So So Angel doesn't have sperm or- Nor seeds to plant. Nor nor seeds to plant. Um, But it's okay because Buffy, all Buffy wants to see, I mean, all Buffy sees in the future is Angel. And all all she wants is 
Michelle. It is a, this is a very um, dramatic This scene. is the this is all of Sarah Michelle Gellar's All My Children training. Yes. Is coming to the fore here. The music, mm-hmm. the dialogue, mm-hmm. the misty eyes, <laughs> the dramatic pauses. Yeah. It's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. Um, before we get to any more happenings, I'd like to call out the fact that Xander hard boils his egg baby, which I'm, I'm into it. I'm into the general idea of preserving the cheating? egg. Of cheating. I'm into, okay. the, I'm into the general idea of cheating. Um, like, I just, it's fine. I'm not upset about that. What I'm upset about is that Xander hard boils his egg, um, and then the next day at school, after carrying the egg around, he is hungry. Wait, isn't this actually two days after he boils it? It could be. It's at least one day. Buffy's had two nights with her egg. Two nights. Okay. So. So, so has Xander. What my point How is. How long can a hard-boiled no, egg. No, I don't want the answer to that question. I don't you need the, the answer fridge. to that question. If you are carrying a hard-boiled egg around in your bag. In your messenger bag. Do not take it out. And crack it open on the sidewalk to (laughs) eat it casually as though you're not eating a warm, disgusting (laughs) egg. I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it. So, Uh, yeah. So, you know, the the trio, Willow, uh, Cordelia, and Buffy come Roll up on Xander just as he is having a moment of horror. Uh, Yes. They go to the science lab. They go to the science. Dissection time. Yes, dissection time. Nobody wants to do this dissection. The fucking bug starts coming out of the bear's eyes which is so great very very upsetting um (laughs) xander and cordelia have a moment that really probably isn't worth talking about but i'm going to talk about anyway where (laughs) xander says capiche and and cordelia says like what are you a world traveler now (laughs) which i just really enjoyed because okay um and then, of course, Cordelia and Willow back together again. Our favorite lesbian yeah. duo. Yeah, just cracking skulls. Thelma and Louising it up here. Yeah, throwing Buffy and Xander into the their cool. util- utility closet where they had so many memories together. Yes, they they originated the yeah. utility closet makeout. As a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Uh, and they leave them in, with, in there with two bizarre eggs. We find out that the, the thing that's creating these eggs is yes. called a bizarre don't you think it's odd that a gigantic prehistoric parasite happens to produce eggs that are identical in <laughs> size and shape and color egg. to chicken eggs? <laughs> what are the odds, evolutionarily speaking? Yeah, it's true. That bazaar seems like it would produce a bigger egg. Yeah, That's or weird. a more gelatinous no, sort of sack. Okay, That's gross. I'm... I agree with you, For but science. I didn't want to hear it. I okay. didn't want to hear it. But yeah, the the bizarre, the bizarre, uh, like information surrounding the bizarre, I think is a little loose. There's here. A, yeah, 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 yeah. Some, some, we're missing a lot of pieces. There are some loopholes. <laughs> some... Uh, but this moment where they they're in the lab before they get knocked out, mm-hmm. and like all of a sudden they're having a normal conversation. And then all of a sudden, Willow says, oh, like, maybe they didn't hurt him. Maybe they just used him to get to the Mother Bazaar. <laughs> and and Cordelia does that, like, weird bend. I think she's leaning down to pick something up to knock somebody out with. But it kind of just looks like after the, the fingers her. have come out of the bear eyes, yeah, that it's, like, using, like, yes. that it's, like, a puppet is getting a hand put inside of it. Yeah, it's really creepy. Vibe. It's I really liked everybody's like zombazoid. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, like Giles and Willow with their like middle distance stares. Yeah, it's really oh. good. Everybody does a great job of being bizarre. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Zord. Let's blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> we see Jonathan, get fucking Jonathan popping up just to get Bazord. Oh, yeah. What's up, Jonathan? Jonathan's like, no, no, get it off me. I I've must go. Checked. Everything's fine. Um, Buffy here, a moment of inconsistency with when Buffy does and does not get bruised. Yeah, um, she's got that big old bruise on her head. Huge bruise on her head. Yet last episode, we when saw. When she got punched by a robot a, in the face. A, with a with steel that like knocked Joyce out for hours we saw not a bruise upon her so I'm a little confused but maybe she has some soft spots maybe just where you hit her maybe her jaw doesn't bruise as easily as her forehead Mm. um also Joyce doesn't notice that Buffy has a giant bruise on her head at the end of the episode weird which is a little a little weird um inconsistent parenting yeah so so right everybody marches down to the to the mama bazaar. And we see all these people who are being controlled by their parasites. Yes. Very ineffectively using those tools they stole from the high school garden shed. I agree. Just <laughs> pop. Yeah. Thump, just I mean, lifting the pickaxes up and letting them fall. Yeah, I think the bazaar needs to have like a um, a meeting, a staff meeting. Yeah. Um, for boost pro- morale. Pro- boost mod- morale and productivity, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. We need some spreadsheets. I'm very upset about the, I'm more upset about the bugs, but I'm I'm mostly upset about the mama, or less upset, but still upset about the mama bazaar's eyeball. Terrible eyeball. Terrible, sticky, wet eyeball that pops open. Then, Guys, of course. I love Tector. Yeah, Tector's sweet. Tector is He's, a dream. Hello, hello there. He, he says. just wants to. He just wants to be loved. He does. He's I very think. and he loves his brother so much. Like they yeah. have a very interesting. What is what's their name? The, the last um, name. The, Gorch. The Gorch Lyle brothers and Tector. Yeah, they. I just love the idea of these like outlaw brothers who get turned into vampires, so they get to like play fight like brothers. They forever. love punching each other. They love in it. the face. Also. Um, there's a great moment when they uh, when they found Buffy and she's like, "Ugh, I'm in the middle of trying to deal with this bazaar. Do I have to fight you right now?" And she punches or kicks uh, Tector, and then Lyle's response: He has, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard someone say this out loud, um, but I feel like it's been a lot of times. The hey, <laughs> last one, roller. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like, in that voice, with that accent, and that meaning. Totally. Uh, You know, he, like, Lyle in his way also, like, really cares about Tector. Yeah. And is so mad when the Bazaar just eats him right up. So, yeah. So, I mean, mean, it's a sad thing. I'm not not thrilled that the brothers have to be separated. I know they're bad, but, like, you know, they're not as bad as the Bazaar, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um... Are we going to talk about the fact that Xander punches Cordelia? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk. I mean, I didn't think we were going to have a lot to talk about in this episode, but yet here we are. T- still having Just more to talk about so many racism uh, problematic and little gopher God. holes that we keep getting our this is stuck and in. it you know and i unfortunately i can't talk about it briefly because i have a lot of complicated feelings because this is not a show where we don't see women get hit by men and women get hit by women and men get hit by men yeah there's i mean hitting, there's just a lot of fighting going hitting, on you know the gender barriers around hitting are very loose in in buffy and we've seen buffy get clocked by many a man Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just Ted last episode. Um, but that was that was upsetting. Um, but there's a particular thing happening here with Cordelia and Xander, and the scene is weird. Like it's it's not Cordelia doesn't seem like a huge threat to Xander. Um, to me, right? Did you did you feel like right? I felt like it was more like he was trying to 
uh, handle her without being physical. Right. And then she punched him where he... in the spot where he had already been hit in the head. Yeah. And he just, like, loses it. Yeah. It was just, like, and I don't, because I know a lot of you really sort of pay attention to our treatment of Xander. Some of you are cheering just echo, echo, cheer. The cha- the <clears throat> the stadium is full of the our supporters. The stadium is full of our supporters, but also there are a lot of people who are like, hey, don't, like, don't lay on more than, than you should to Xander. And I, like, I just want to say that this scene is weird. It's it's not just this, he's he's threatened and so he hits her. And it's also not a very, like, a, like overt, um, he wanted to hit her or, but it's, it occupies this, like, middle space and I can't quite figure out why they had to do this. Yeah. Well, um, it's like they've also been antagonizing each other all episodes. Yeah. It's like just like the friction is like palpable. And also, I mean, he just knocked somebody else who is possessed by the bizarre parasite out, right? Right. And that was an effective way of eliminating that right. person until Buffy can handle whatever is getting handled. Totally. And he's been knocked out. I mean, Cordelia, the, the last he saw Cordelia, Cordelia knocked him completely out. Right. So, you know... Oh, is it payback? Right. It's... I mean, it, it certainly... I mean, they have been going jab for jab they metaphorically have. all episode. They have. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we have, like, a, a statement or a claim on this scene apart from just kind of saying, like, hey, this thing happened. It made us both feel really weird. Yeah. There was a lot in it, and there's, you know, there's a lot that you could say about it from a lot of angles. Um, and, and what's interesting is that they end the episode with Xander being the one who has gotten hit by everyone, right? They don't talk about Cordelia right. getting hit. Um, and, and Cordelia does have a great moment where she's like, did I hit you? Okay, good. Not that I, like, wanted to hit you, but I just didn't want to get left out. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do what everybody else did, which was hit Xander. Um, but it's just great. interesting. It's just, you know, a thing we have to talk about. A thing that we um, don't have to talk about, but that I'm going to say anyway, is neural clamping. What a bummer. That's a combination of words I don't like. Neural clamping. Don't wish to be neurally clamped. The idea of being out of control of one's functions is, is, that's like at the root of real horror for me. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, especially Paris. Y'all should check (laughs) out the, the Radio Lab episode about parasites. Blah, 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 blah. That's <laughs> that, all I'll say. Is that your summary? It'll bum. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what, how it'll make you feel. Um, um you know what I want to say. What do you want to say, Jenny? Buffy crawling up Wait. out. I have one thing to say because okay. I want to talk about that too. I accept that, and I just have a tiny little thing before we get to because that's the last thing I want to talk about. Uh, is Gile, I, what I would like to refer to as the Giles Ballet. Oh, so beautiful. It's so, so beautifully beautiful. choreographed. If you, you should go back, if you didn't get to appreciate the Giles Ballet, to the fight scene with yeah. the Bazaar and the Cowboys and the whole thing. And That's watch, some Martha Graham shit, yeah. Just watch Giles. He so delicately ballets to what sachets, w- one might say. And then back. Forward and then back. And then his entire ballet routine culminates when the Bazaar dies and the babies fall off of them and they all collapse. Yeah. Giles crosses his legs and does this like beautiful ballet fall move. Just a dream crumple. So don't miss it. I hope that I hope you know tickets are free to the Giles Ballet. Just go back and check that out. <laughs> okay, now go okay. ahead. Now go ahead. So we don't actually see exactly what happens, but what we assume is that Buffy is tentacled and dragged into maybe the mouth of the bazaar. Yeah. And then she pickaxes her way out from the inside and emerges in not quite enough goo. Uh, I think 
proportionally. Oh, but I love but it. But it is I think it's great. great. It's visually covered beautiful. in gunk. Yeah. Uh, Looking hot gunk. as all get out. Yeah. Give me a girl who just pickaxed her way yes. from out of inside of yes. a monster any day. Any day. And any then give day. her a bruise on her head. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> She has battled, she has won, and she is looking good. Uh, and you know what makes her look? What, the icing on this hot cake. Hot cake, <laughs> by the way. I'm sorry. I don't know. I got carried away. But the icing on this cake is uh, that not only does she look so great having pickaxed her way out of the belly of the beast, but she looks at the cowboy. <laughs> and he looks at her and says, yeah, I'm good. Oh, yeah, it's over. I'm, uh, I, I understand now that you are one million times more powerful than my sorry ass, and I'm going to run away. Yeah. Woo! You know who Buffy is not more powerful than? Who? Joyce. <laughs> now she's even more grounded than she was she's before. She's so grounded, but you know, she doesn't care about being grounded at all. Because she can just make out with Angel. Through the window. Forever. Oh, I right. could watch the two of them make out all day. You know, I... the only thing that would have made it better is if they made out while she was still covered in the black goo. Mm, that would have been ideal. Yeah, it would have been good. So Perhaps um, in a future episode. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> so, wow, bad eggs. What an episode. It brought out more in us than I thought it was going to bring out. Ditto. I didn't think that a lot was going to come out of this episode. And here we are having chatted about all sort, all manner, all manner of whatnot. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to say before we round the bend into uh, our song and all of that good stuff is is I'd like to talk about the song for oh, yeah. just a minute. We, you know, we can do whatever we want with these songs. Yes, we can. We can do whatever we want, but we have been giving you a particular thing, a particular like length and a particular amount of words right, right. for the most part yeah. um, up until this point. But we were struck by a certain kind of inspiration from this episode. Um, and so the song that you will get today is, is a little shorter. Yeah. Has a couple less words. But we, we just got tickled. I think, yeah, we were both too tickled to not allow it to be what it desired to be. Yeah. So we hope that you will uh, enjoy it as much as we do. Please. Please. And Kristen, mm -hmm. are you going to put up on, on uh, Patreon, maybe for all patrons, the two videos of the inception of this song? Yes, I will. Wow, there's going to be a lot on Patreon. We'll stagger this throughout the week. Uh, so that your inbox So that you get can get the picture of what I look like when I have to talk about the egg bug, me and Luke Perry, <laughs> and the behind the scenes creation of uh, today's song. So if you give it the dollar, five dollar, or ten dollar level, you will all get those magical videos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Great. Well, I guess that does it for today. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I am Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy with Kristen, I'm usually uh, making hot jams, you can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, and you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yeah, and don't forget to go see her. If you're in Northampton or Boston or Philadelphia. Yes, please. Yeah, it's coming up. It's like today, tomorrow. Soon. Really soon. Very, very soon. Um, I am Kristen Russo, and you can follow me on Twitter um, or Instagram, for that matter, at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. -I -I -E. Had you followed me in either of those places, you would have known about Luke Perry right away. Right away. <laughs> I talked to no one until I got those up on social media. Um, and <laughs> she certainly didn't text her wife. No, I didn't text you for like hours. I was too busy thinking about Luke Perry. Uh -huh. uh, and 
anyway, um, you can also go to my website, kristinnolene.com, um, and check out my work that I do with LGBTQ young people and their families. I also have a book called This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids. I personally believe it should be a book for every parent, regardless of if you have kids who are gay or trans or anything. Uh, so you should check that out. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Facebook and Twitter at BufferingCast. And you can shoot us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. As always, you can support our work on Patreon. We've mentioned it a couple times in this uh, this year podcast. It's at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. And you can also support us in a few other ways. You can go on over to our store. We have fun t-shirts and buttons, enamel pins, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be found on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on shop. And of course... If you go on over to iTunes and leave us a review, we will be so happy. That helps other people find the podcast who might not know about it and is really, really helpful. And let's be real. We are working at building the biggest Buffy community that we can possibly build, made from old old Buffy fans and new Buffy fans alike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So all we can do to create our new Buffy army uh, is is happy. Is happy, happy, happy things. Yep. Well I'm said. good at talking. That's My why I have a podcast. Beautiful, articulate wife. <laughs> Until next time. Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can... Hey, holy... Hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.